I am super excited to be interviewing a lovely friend, Parul Agrawal, who is a qualified health coach and family coach and also an international business growth strategist. And she has a master, two master's degrees in engineering and she is a holistic entrepreneur by passion. She has many, many feathers to her bow. She's also a writer and contributed to amazing magazines like Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Goodman Project. And she's helped over 200 people to become best-selling authors on Amazon, including myself with my collaborative book called Lady X. So I'm very, very grateful. And I'm grateful for you giving up your precious time to be here today, Pearl. So welcome to Wellness Spring. Thank you so much, Beverly. It's truly my honor to be here and, uh, you know, be on the same platform as you because I'm also a big fan of your work. Oh, thank you very much. Like you are so super busy. How do you because you're also a mum, how do you yes. juggle? <laughs> how do you juggle between work and your family life? I think uh, that is uh, the biggest issue, you know, having uh, two little ones and right now everything being online, it kind of uh, is a challenge, but at the same time, uh, um, I think it all boils down to having that discipline, not just among your family, but among yourself, you know, knowing what is really important to you at a particular time. Uh, for example, you know, when my kids are either in the school or whether uh, or studying online in their classes, that's the primary time that I work. And once they are off their classes, it's my time with them. Of course, you know, there are days when I have to work because they are in school only very short period of time, nine to three, but sometimes I have to work beyond that also. But I try to keep most of my things during the time, especially meetings and stuff when they are in school. And my little one is only three, so she's not even in school all the time. She's just, you know, having fun. <laughs> but it's, it's really, you know, really understanding that yes you're a mom and the, your children are obviously your primary responsibility and at the same time knowing that you also have responsibility towards your business and most importantly yourself so you know planning the day well and uh, uh, being in the moment not thinking about too many things while we are focusing on a particular tasks really helps. Fab, that you covered quite a bit there and um, so many important things about discipline because me, for example, I'm busy like, like you and it's yes. so easy to get distracted and not stay focused. My husband keeps nagging me, you know, to do what's important and since writing Lady X, he's been telling me, you know, you've got about 10 books in the making. I've been doing research on happiness for several years. And he's like, wow. just write the book, write the book. And now you've got parole to help you. 
But um, <laughs> before we talk about the books, you also mentioned about the family and how you juggle in time. So, you know, you are a family coach. During um, our first lockdown in France, um, I had so many people calling me because they were fearful and panicking. And for individuals and couples, like for couples, a lot of them weren't used to spending so much time together as husband and wife. And when you throw children into that mix as well, and then homeschooling and then preparing meals, you know, how, how is it possible to do everything? Like, did you have to cope with that as well? And I know you've written a book, um, you managed to get over a hundred ladies to go to, together from around the globe. And now you're done expecting and everybody shared a story. So, you know, I think um, you could help a lot of our listeners to know how to juggle and focus on business. And like, even though you're saying you do it when the children are doing their studies, Today, for example, it's eight o'clock here in Sydney and on Friday and it's five o'clock in the, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon for you on Thursday. So I know when we were chatting on Zoom, you would join us early hours of the morning. So I think you're a workaholic and that you work right round the clock. Not necessarily, you know, I try to, uh not work around the clock, definitely. But uh, uh, so, as I mentioned, it's uh, what I do is focus on what I'm doing 100%, right? Yeah. So let's say I'm working and talking with you right now. Of course, my kids are hanging here and jumping, but I'm just focused in talking with you. And then when I'm cooking, I'm just focused on cooking. And then when I am with my children, I'm just focused on my children and not really, you know, juggling with the phone. And how that helps me is that I'm able to focus on the task 100%. And if cooking takes an hour, it only takes me 20 minutes if I'm just focused on doing that. If, um, you know, um, my children are... Um, demanding my time and I give them that half an hour or one hour just focused on them, then basically they know that, okay, you know, mommy has this work and once she's done, she will be back and she will be back for us completely. So again, you know, not thinking about um, too many things when you're doing a particular thing has really helped me and maintaining a clean lifestyle because what I feel we are all into, you know, wellness and you would understand the importance of eating clean and having the right mindset because our brain health is also our gut health, right? It's the brain gut connection. So I feel that anytime I eat too much junk or when I call junk, it's not burgers, but just, you know, something which is not really in alignment with my body, then I feel clogged and constipated, clogged in my brain and constipated in my gut. And I'm not that active. And so it's, it's all about, you know, going back to that thing about discipline, which means it's not just discipline with your children, but it's also discipline of how you lead every moment of your life. 
And these days I have started actually going out on walks again, because right now the weather is beautiful. It's not as cold. And again, when I'm walking, I'm just, you know, focused on my walk and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, having that connection with the divine and not really thinking, hey, what I, what do I need to do when I go back home or what is my to-do task? Also, writing everything down has helped me a lot, like writing either um, at the end of the week or writing every night, depending upon, you know, however people plan their day. And finally, um, preparing ahead of time has also helped me. And I try avoiding work on a weekend because, you know, weekend, I know it's, it's time for me, my extra spiritual studies, time for my children. And when I do that, even if it's one day or two days, that helps me rejuvenate and be more productive during my working hours. It's all about like, okay, you can do the work either in four hours or you know, half an hour, if you are really focused and not clogged. Oh, that's wonderful tips. And can you please um, tell the audience a little bit about your background, where you grew up, your education, your family, yes. and so forth? Because I think that's yes, yes. important. So as you can tell, I mostly, I was born, brought up in India. So I did my, uh, you know, education. I come from a small town in India. It's mostly known for um, its education because um, it's basically the town which houses the very first engineering college in the country. So it's known for all over the country for, you know, having that oldest engineering institute. So everybody in my town also is primarily, you know, either highly educated or an engineer. <laughs> so, you know, I come from this town and then obviously, you know, needless to say, I ended up becoming an engineer. And, um, after I was done, um, I had an arranged marriage and then I moved uh, with my husband. My marriage was like super fast. Uh, that's uh, uh, maybe a story for another time. But um, I'm, I met my husband, uh, you know, through portals, like advertisement, essentially. My father found him uh, and then we were practically married in seven days. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, I landed in U.S. Uh, to give you a timeline, I met my husband on 7th February for the very, no, not, not 7th, 8th February. 7th February, my parents met him. 8th February, I met him. We got married on 17th, and I landed in U.S. on 24th of February. So, you know, within, uh, this was like in 2004. So within like 20 days, my life kind of changed. <laughs> So, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm not planned of coming to US. In fact, uh, when I met my husband, um, you know, at that time, he was a prospective groom. I didn't even ha uh, had a passport because I had never gone out of my country. So I had no passport. I obviously had no visa. Luckily, everything happened in divine timing, as you say. And then I, I ended up in United States. Um, and then I was like, okay, now I'm in US. I have heard a lot of good things about the higher education in this country. 
So the obvious natural step was, you know, pursuing a master's degree in engineering. So I, I luckily got admission um, at Arizona State University, which is one of the top universities also in my town and now in the country. I ended up there. Uh, I finished my first master's. Then I entered into the PhD program. Um, the PhD uh, program I was in, that group kind of moved to another university, University of Arizona, which is around 100 miles from my house. And I couldn't move, obviously, because, you know, I was married. Uh, my husband was living here. So I decided to um, drop down from my PhD program, and I ended up doing a second master's in engineering. So that's how I ended up doing two master's in engineering. <laughs> And then I started working in corporate and then I'm like, hmm, doesn't, you know, why with me working in the corporate, I want to do something else. So I ended up, you know, becoming a health coach <laughs> so, and mainly because, you know, I was always interested in nutrition. I was always interested in health, but, you know, coming from a town which is known for engineering, that was default, right? I, I would say that yeah. my future was default as an engineer. Everybody in my family was an engineer. So I never really thought that I could do anything else beyond becoming an engineer. But when I came here, I realized, okay, nutrition is truly my passion. I want to do something. And also when I ended up working in the corporate, I realized, okay, you know, I don't want to look like this lady 10 years from now. I want, you know, to do something more with my life. So I ended up, you know, joining a personal training school. I became a personal trainer. I became a holistic health coach. And I realized that was something I was truly passionate about. And then I ended up writing a book on green juicing. And uh, uh, in the process, I also had my son. So it turned out perfect because um, I was an entrepreneur at that time, offering health coaching and being an entrepreneur. And I was also able to stay home and take care of my son. So it really turned out perfect. And once I wrote my first book, uh, of course, because of my engineering background, it was easy for me to understand the publishing world, the algorithm and everything. So I ended up learning that. And um, the, after that, you know, people started asking me how I, you know, published the book. And more importantly, how I made it so popular, because otherwise I was a mom, you know, working from my kitchen counter, you know, holding the baby in my hand. And then people were like, oh, God, you know, her book is a bestseller. How is that even possible? She's like really unknown. And now all of a sudden she's all over the place. And I started, you know, telling people what I did, how I did and so on and so forth. It kind of became into, you know, a lucrative career, I would say. Yeah. Yes. So that is how I ended up, you know, uh, becoming a publisher and, um, you know, so far I have helped around 400 people write, wow. published and market their books. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm really curious about the juicing. You covered a lot there, but we'll break it down. But the juicing um, back in the early nineties um, in Australia, everybody was rushing off to Bali. And I know people in the UK as well to do detox retreats and um, a lot of people would feel sick because um, maybe their body is too acid or too alkaline 
And then if you add in more acid or alkaline, they were vomiting because they'd gone into overload and um, they didn't know any better. So um, I had someone give a talk on the importance of, you know, having tailor-made um, juice programs for you. And I think the, the evolution of nutrition and the studies and things have changed. What's your take on that? Because I know you're highly qualified in juicing and it's not one juice for everyone. Yes, I agree, Bivoli. You know, a cookie cutter diet doesn't work for everybody, right? And obviously, yeah. uh, people who are living in, let's say, US, right? I mean, US, we have different kinds of fruits and vegetables. And if we go to India um, and we try to find the same kind of fruits and vegetables, they might be uh, not available. Or even if they are available, they might not be so rich in minerals because the soil is not as rich in minerals right so again you know um juicing um and the kind of juices they are also very specific to not only your body chemistry but also according to the country and the region you are living in right um it definitely takes around three days as they say for your body to change from acidic to alkaline and those yeah. are the three days when people experience most of the detox symptoms like, you know, headaches and nausea and all these things. It's not easy because, you know, it's not also uh, people say, oh, I cannot do it. You know, I cannot do it. It's too much for me. But I always tell them it's not really you. You know, it's not that you have uh, less of a willpower or something. It's basically all these parasites that have been living in your gut and your intestine lining that have been, uh, you know, sending all these signals to your brain because now they are used to eating a certain food at a certain time, right? So they keep sending these signals that, hey, you know, we want uh, uh, that bread or we want that pasta. And then when these signals and these parasites send these signals to the brain, you think that it's basically you who is craving for these things, right? And therefore, it's not only important what you take in, it's also very important how you eliminate, right? And that's why yeah. anytime we do oh, these detoxes, which I still guide for my, some of my clients, I always tell them focus on your elimination, especially the juices, because, you know, what happens in juicing is you're not eating too much. So there is not really much fiber also. So you become constipated, right? So it's important to, you know, follow a good elimination regime also, which means either you are doing, um, you know, if either you are taking certain supplements to help you go or some people also like to do coffee enemas and, uh, you know, cologne hydrotherapy. Of course, you know, coffee enemas and cologne hydrotherapy depends on the individual's comfort level, right? But it's, it, it, it mostly, you know, but there are certain things that you could take like magnesium or, you know, maybe vitamin C that will help you go naturally also. So I think, you know, it's, it's really important for all of us to understand that uh, one program does not suit everybody and uh, one kind of regime also doesn't suit for everybody because everybody is different.
and the reaction also to everybody is different, right? We might put people on the same juice detox plan, but your body will react differently and my body will react differently, right? So it, it's very, it has to be customized according to certain things can be common, but most of the time it has to be customized according to the individual chemistry. Yeah, that's um, very interesting to know. And obviously it's good that you mentioned about different countries and cultures because obviously being grown up in India, a lot of it is Ayurveda. And, you know, I grew up in Britain, so it was meat and two veg. And yes. then you come to Australia and France, you know, in France, it was a lot of cream and cheese and being a vegan, it was very difficult to find healthy eating. But I've always um, said to people, if you can buy local and in season, you know, one, you're supposed supporting the local farmers and two, um, you're eating seasonal food. So your body is used to that rather than having imported food. And as you mentioned about the quality, you don't know how long it's been sitting in a van or refrigeration and so forth. So um, what's your take on frozen food? Frozen food. Okay. That's a great question, uh, Beverly, because what happens, um, Actually, frozen food, you know, it's, it's because what they do is they pluck the food, they process it, and then they freeze it. Okay, so if it's like organic, non-GMO, then it's actually full of nutrients, right? I mean, it's sometimes, uh, let's say, uh, my kids love cherries, right? But cherries are not in season. Of, I think here where I live in Phoenix, we get cherries only for... Um, very short period of time, maybe two weeks maximum. And then uh, if I have to use cherries in maybe my smoothies or something, then I'd go ahead and get the frozen food because I know like, you know, if, if you know the source, as you mentioned, if you know the source, if you know where your frozen food is coming from and if they're using the technology that is uh, preserving the nutrients, then it's not that bad. I don't recommend eating it on a regular basis because I'm like, hey, you know, the most nutrient dense food is something that is from farm to table, of course. But then there are, for example, just to give you an example, this is so crazy. When I moved to India, I, I had moved to India for one year, like after living in US for 15 years, uh, because of my husband's job, we moved back for uh, one and a half year. And I was so used to eating like blueberries, strawberries and raspberries. And when I went back, I couldn't find it. Um, I, I went into depression, right? <laughs> I really went into <laughs> depression. I'm like, okay. And uh, all of, I, and I also found out that I was pregnant. So maybe, you know, my body was craving all these foods, uh, because I know they're full of antioxidants and in pregnancy, you use so many antioxidants for this little fetus. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, now what do I do? I'm missing my uh, raspberries. And I literally was crying practically. And I'm like, okay, why did we even move here? I cannot. And India born, brought up there. So it was not like, you know, uh, something, a new environment altogether. I could still find mangoes. I could still find bananas, the stuff that I was, I grew up eating. But for some reason, I was really... Um, craving raspberries and strawberries at that point of time. And uh, 
uh, these things are not easily available there, especially the blueberries and raspberries. So luckily, I found something that was frozen. Uh, it, it's it's a company called Very Berry, and uh, you wouldn't imagine my happiness at that time. <laughs> I thought like I was this girl in Disneyland that had really found something, you know, met the queen or the king of her dreams. <laughs> so you know, so, so at that point, I realized, okay, you know, yes, um, fresh is the best. But sometimes when you really want something, then you and you are able to find it in organic or frozen form. It is a life savior. And now that I think back, my daughter, she is three and a half, and all she wants to eat all the time is strawberries and raspberries. You know? <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, okay, now I know why I was craving all these things when I was pregnant, because in pregnancy, there is no logic and reason and rhyme, right? So everything exactly. goes. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, sometimes these things could be really savior. And uh, especially in terms when, when we're making smoothies and also fast, because if you do not want to cut the fruits every day, but you still want all these nutrients in your body, you can just, you know, throw all, all your fruits and vegetables in the blender and drink them. So uh, I think, um, again, as long as you know that the food has been uh, processed really well and stored really well, I don't think I would say that I'm like, totally opposed to it yeah um i've never been pregnant but i've worked with lots of pregnant ladies and obviously i'm an auntie so i've had sisters and loads of family and friends pregnant yes. and their hormones run wild and <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, interesting that you said you know to listen to your body and you know you had that craving and I think our body is the best teacher because it knows exactly what it wants. And it's um, also when you're talking about the antioxidants and everything, you've got the old saying from Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So sure. I totally believe you, the food can heal you and heal any ailment. And um, from research now, they're saying that you know, our gut is our new brain and all disease starts in our gut. So I think exactly. healthy mind, healthy body, like you talked about focus, which is amazing. And also the discipline. So those are two very strong factors. And um, you mentioned algorithms with your first best-selling book. And since I'm not a techie, and when you did uh, join us occasionally on Zoom, it was like whew, way over my head. So in layman's terms, can you tell people how you um, manage to get yourself and other people to be a best-selling author on Amazon and Kindle? Oh, yes, definitely. I would love to. So basically, see, it's all based on uh, how we set the book correctly on Amazon and how we uh, do like a launch or a pre-launch strategy, essentially. You know, in, in simple terms is, let's say I have a book on um, Ayurveda for that matter, right? And if uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra is also releasing a book on Ayurveda, then I know that my competition with him 
uh, then I am like, you know, I have competition with him and I will not be able to, you know, um, uh, be as competitive or as successful as him because obviously, you know, he is well known all across the world and he has a name and I'm a newbie author or, you know, not as known of an author as he is. So obviously, you know, we know that, okay, his book is in a particular, you know, category or set this way on Amazon. And now what we could do with specifically with Amazon, uh, they give us the uh, convenience of not only putting our book in a category, which is Ayurveda, but also other niche categories. For example, it could be Ayurveda for vegans or Ayurveda for vegetarians or Ayurveda, you know, uh, for specific body types. So we have these niche categories also. Plus, we also have, you know, some other categories uh, where it might not be Ayurveda, but it could be, let's say, beautiful health and skin, right? So we know like, okay, if a person wants to have a beautiful health and skin, they probably need to follow some Ayurvedic um, uh, what do you call it, lifestyle, and then they will have a beautiful health and skin. So it's not necessary that we have to place the book 100% into the category that is that we think is conducive to the book. We can also play around considering the competition, considering the other books that have been launched on Amazon or we think are launching in the next few weeks. So that is how basically the algorithm thing works. But, uh, okay, are you still able to hear me? It says, yeah. okay, great. Yes, I think um, something happened. So anyway, so, you know, um, so that is essentially how the uh, algorithm, speaking of algorithm, that works. But at the same time, you know, algorithm is not the only thing. It is also based on if we are having you know, certain number of sales for the book, you know, if you're actually able to create a buzz for the book before and during the launch. So uh, there are certain factors, um, but definitely a lot is also based on just purely competition. Fantastic. And um, I know that you are an amazing public speaker as well and you're a TEDx speaker and you actually help people to uh, become a speaker and you help people to write their books and can you tell us exactly what you do and um, we're talking about changes and it's the first time I've done a call this early and the sun keeps moving into the room. Yes, so I apologize if you can't see me. <laughs> no, that's perfect. You know, in fact, I love all the background and I love, you know, uh, how, how the sun is falling on your face. So basically uh, what I do is I help authors, you know, publish and market their book and I help businesses um, or you could call them coaches, consultants with their branding. And when it comes to branding, uh, it's all about, you know, okay, what helps them be the authority in their field, right? So is it like writing a book? Is it getting on the stages? Is it, uh, you know, really uh, helping them grow on the social media? So basically, any way that they could use to share their message with the world. You know, so 
it could be, you know, getting them on speaking stages or podcasts, or it could be, you know, helping them uh, with their book. And even if, let's say, an author comes to me, uh, so yes, writing a book, getting into the bestseller, that's the easy part, I would say, right? The, the difficult path is how do we continue this momentum? How do we build our business, you know, and how do we reach out to people, you know, beyond our network and people beyond, you know, who have already bought our book. And that takes essentially um, uh, more than just, you know, book launch. You have to really go out there and uh, just, you know, I always tell authors that uh, people do not buy products, people buy people. So at the end of the day, it's basically you who has to be at the front of uh, you sharing your book and you sharing your message, right? Of course, you can hire a PR team, you can hire all these people to market your book. All that is good. But at the end of the day, if your reader or if your ideal client is not resonating with you as a person, it doesn't really make any sense spending all this money in PR or anything else. So, you know, just be out there and create that connection with your ideal readers or clients. That is the most important thing for anybody for that matter. Fantastic. And do you um, literally private coach people into what to say and um, how to speak? Because a lot of people, as um, Jerry Seinfeld says, a lot of people would rather be dead than be on a public stage because they have a fear of public speaking. So do you help people with that as well? I essentially, you know, if somebody comes to me, so I'm not like a speaking coach as such because obviously you know i have uh, this inhibition also that yes people are better than me and you know there's somebody out there who could do this job better but let's say if there is a uh, client that i have who wants to get onto a speaking in, uh, stage especially like the tedx talk then i do uh, coach them initially and i do help them uh, you know craft their message um and uh, uh, essentially what i feel Beverly, you know all this, um, if somebody is coming, then they have the genius to actually present their idea. It's all about being their cheerleader and giving them the confidence that yes, they can do it. So I, I would rather be, you know, the cheerleader than, you know, telling people like, hey, do this or do that. You know, that is the way I work. Uh, just being there for that person when needed. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. And it's so good to have someone to be there for you because a lot of people are on their own or don't have family or friends that support them. And um, I just want to know if there was one thing you could do to change the world, what would it be? That's such a wonderful question. You know, I would ask everybody to sit down and meditate, you know, because once I feel that once you are meditating and you're listening to that inner voice, the change comes from within. And then if you change, then uh, the collective consciousness changes, right? So it's all about, you know, change starts from within and change starts with you. So I would first and foremost change myself, like, you know, meditate myself more. And then I feel that once I do that, my aura will shine and 
anytime I meet anybody, they will also see this change and, you know, get inspired to lead a more holistic lifestyle and meditate more. Oh, thank you very much. And um, you are such a shining light. And I know we could talk for hours, but I'm consciously aware of the time. So um, how can people get hold of you? Oh, right now I am on my, uh, um, I wouldn't say social media because for some reason I got blocked from Facebook and Instagram. But yeah, through my website, it's parulagrawal.com my first name, last name.com and on LinkedIn uh, by author Parul. So I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and Clubhouse also, but uh, mostly uh, my website. So yeah, my website and my LinkedIn. Great, and I'll put those on the blurb. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for giving up your precious time and for all your wonderful words of wisdom that you've shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Bivoli. Actually, it was truly my honor. Uh, and thank you for waking up early at 8 a.m. to have this <laughs> call with me. We appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank so. you so much. So that went really well and I know you have two little children who are calling out for you but that was amazing and um, my husband left this morning to go away for a month so when he's back he will um, edit this unless I can get it to him on cloud and I'll link you everywhere but I won't be able to tag you now on Facebook and um, Instagram and things like that. But anyway, I'll... You know, normally my nanny is here till three, but I tell you what happened. Um, her daughter, uh, she met with, the, uh, my nanny's daughter met with an accident. The daughter is, uh, you know, uh, studying. She's doing pre-med pre somewhere. And her foot got into this door, okay, in, in her college. And she yeah. got hurt. And now my nanny, because this daughter has uh, exams going on, so my nanny has to go early every uh, afternoon to drop her to the college because otherwise she takes bus, but these days she cannot take bus because she cannot walk uh, and she has to leave early. And <laughs> uh, normally uh, my children are in school, but today they had off, right? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they have this parent teacher meeting and then I didn't realize they had this um, school vacation today and I'm like wow uh, so everything kind of you know but I hope uh, it was not too noisy and it would serve your purpose I'm so sorry if it was too confusing no, and disturbing. no 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 it was perfect so don't worry about that but um, yeah so I will contact you you know to get I need to be disciplined and focused on getting my books finished and then I'll contact you about get, getting them published. I also spoke with Marika. I think we spoke uh, maybe on Monday. I would say, come here, no crying. Why are you crying? What happened? Oh. Don't call anybody, just uh, watch uh, Peyton. So, um, yeah, so I spoke with her. Right now, her focus is on the French market. So I told yeah. her, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what we can do for her in the French market. 
because uh, you know um, I'm, I'm, I know like I'm confident in the US and Indian market but French are not so confident so I'm trying to figure out if things work out then I'll let her know. Oh that's really kind of you and uh, yeah because I've got another French friend who's asked me like she's got she goes with Fintorn and um, which is a well-known um, author uh, book company in um, America, I believe, Fintorn Publishing Company. But um, she, she asked me how can she be number one? She was saying, how many books did you sell to be number one? Because she sold many thousands, but she's still not number one. So I, I said, I'll put it in touch. Marketplace is, uh, it also depends upon the network, right? So if she thinks, uh, she can get people buy her book we can put the book correctly in the categories and then we can actually do like a pre-launch or a relaunch for her and we can get into the number one see getting into the number one is not difficult it's mostly like once you get into the number one how do we you know continue uh, or how do we use it to our benefit yeah because i just wanted to know how because she signed a contract with Finn horn and they published a book for her, whether she can still do her own marketing on um, Amazon? It all depends on what kind of contract she signed. So yeah. if let's say, uh, if, if they have the KDP dashboard access with her, yeah. you know, then you have to reach out to them and ask them to put the book into a certain category or maybe drop down the price. And yeah. so basically, we have to take a permission from them to do whatever and we have to work with them right okay right does that make sense because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise you know uh we won't be able to do anything if we exactly. have to, uh, that's what i said sometimes, yeah sometimes these publishers are very kind and they also because they also get a uh, uh, good review right if their yeah. author is a best so they, it's also credible for them. So sometimes, you know, um, they are willing to cooperate, but sometimes not. So it all depends on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good that I've had some insight more about your background because mm -hmm. I don't see it advertised um, about being a certified um, health coach and all the rest of it. So it's really mm -hmm. nice to know what you're doing. Is, uh, uh, Basically, uh, uh, if I have clients, I tell them like, hey, it's mostly kind of, you know, an added thing that I do uh, just because I feel that, you know, once you have the right kind of mindset, you can actually write the correct book. So yeah. I'm not really myself as a health coach, but any client who comes to me, the first thing that they have, they really do is basically, you know, start eating clean. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. Um, because, um, you know, I believe you are what you eat, think and drink. So it's really important, the quality of the food. And recently, because for many years, I teach people how to breathe. And now I've been happy that um, scientists are proving that if you breathe correctly, it will help your digestion, your sleep and various other ailments. And um, in it, there's one um, scientist called James Nestor who lives in America, and he talks about our ancestors and how their 
face and everything was a lot wider. Like for me, I've got a narrow face. My jaw was too small. I've had eight teeth taken out. I had overcrowding, crooked teeth, had to have a brace and blah, blah, blah. But he talks about chewing your food because yes. a lot of us clench our teeth at night and yes. we grind and that stimulates the sympathetic, so speeds things up. And a lot of the food over the last hundred years, even though you are an expert with juicing, are smoothies and soft like avocado dips and everything is soft. So we need a lot of hard, crunchy food so we can use our jaw to crunch, crunch, crunch. And he suggests that we eat on one side and then the other side. And in my meditations or Reiki retreats, I get people to chew their food until it's liquid because we rush the food so we're gulping down life so and also we watch tv or something by you know so we are just not focused on the food and eating it properly i can understand yes see i have a very good jawline touchwood you know and uh, people ask me how do i get it and i always tell them you know because i chew my food even the smoothies and juices i always like chew them yeah you know? so, thank you so much and my okay. apologies maybe talk sometime again later. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Bye.